Um, <clears throat> the last few weeks, we've been walking through uh, the book of Romans, and Jason has shared with us some really important themes about us, us being living sacrifices, that we ought to be humble in service, that, uh, yeah, we ought to love one another, one another serve one another, um, and that we ought to respect those in authority over us. And last week he talked about the issue of, in the church there of, of eating meat, uh, when to celebrate worship festivals and those kinds of things. And he says, and many other things. It wasn't just those two things. He says, many other things. And that, that sort of happens when you start merging cultures. And you think about the Jewish culture, and they'd had centuries to develop their traditions, to uh, practice what they felt was the important things about relating to God and worshiping him. And, and we know that the church in Rome was um, filled with Jews and Gentiles. And, and we always think of Gentiles as one group, but they were really everybody who wasn't a Jew. And you think about Rome in the middle of the Mediterranean, and my guess is there were a number of languages, people groups, cultures, people from other, other nations that were all a part of this church in Rome. And so you have all these cultures mixing together. And, and, and we know what it's like to try to change culture. It doesn't happen overnight. Uh, we, we have only to look at, at our current uh, situations in North America. The, the conflicts between blacks and whites, the conflicts between uh, whites and First Nations, European settlers and First Nations in Canada. We look internationally to see what's going on in South Africa and it just tears my heart out that the black tribesmen are, are persecuting the, the European settlers, farmers who are there and the ones who really provide the food for that nation. Um, they're being slaughtered and <coughs> we have all these differences. And, and when you bring all these differences into the church, our church is just a good example of that, the Covenant Church. We've got your Methodists and your Baptists and your Presbyterians and Anglicans and Catholics and the Church of Christ who they know who they are, the only ones, you know. <laughs> but we have all these traditions and as we worship, sometimes we say, golly, that's just not quite right. That's not the way I would like it. Or, <clears throat> I wish he wouldn't do that. <laughs> Communion, you know, they should do it this way. And what we're trying to do in this congregation, in this church, is to learn to love one another, to build one another up, to strengthen one another, and to focus on the things that are most important. And that's what Paul's trying to get at here um, in Romans. In, last week in, in chapter 14... He talked about those conflicts I mentioned, and he says that none of you should live just for yourselves. You shouldn't just want to have your own way all the time, but you should not be a stumbling block to others, and you should lift others up. And I like what Paul said in uh, verse 22. So whatever you believe about these things, 
Keep it between yourself and God. <laughs> Keep your trap shut. <laughs> Keep it between yourself and God because sometimes when we express our own preferences, it can be hurtful to others. And sometimes when we complain about where somebody else is at in their spiritual walk, we put a stumbling block. They make them feel guilty or we cause them to feel sad and they leave the church, they're hurt. And sometimes it's better to let the Holy Spirit <clears throat> do his work instead of us getting in the way. So it says, keep it between yourself and God. And Paul throughout this book has emphasized that Jesus died <clears throat> to bring us all together in one body, Jew and Gentile. That he, that he died to bring all of us in the church in a way that we can worship him and bring glory to God and, and be a testimony to the world around us. So as we move into chapter 15, that's where I'm supposed to be starting today, Paul starts off with, we're just going to go through the, thir the first 13 verses. He says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good and to build them up. We who are strong. We. All of a sudden, he's drawn a line in the sand. It's an us and them. We and you. There's an other. And that, uh, that's a bit discouraging because just over in, in chapter 14, he says, why then do you judge your brothers or sisters? Why do you treat them with contempt? Or in 23, he says, therefore let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, <clears throat> make up your mind not to put any stumbling block uh, or obstacle in the way of a brother and sister. And here Paul is saying, we, we who are strong, you who are weak. Um, already there's some kind of a judgment happening. But it must be important because Paul is making that judgment. We who are strong. Who are the strong? Rudy's not here. Clay, you're strong. Yeah, who? But we're not talking about that, are we? What, what does a strong Christian look like? Well... Paul doesn't really tell us here. But in, his, in other places in Romans, and in, in his letter to Philippians, he says, this is what a good Christian would look like. Chapter 2, one of my favorite passages. Therefore, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit, and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mind as in Christ Jesus. That's a strong Christian. From the same author, different letter, that's a strong Christian. He doesn't recognize the one who is bold and brass, brash, brash, yeah. Um, the one who always wants his way, the one who's a bully, the one who doesn't allow others to speak, but the one who is quiet, spirit-led. 
So he doesn't recognize those, those kinds of strengths. He, he says, these strengths of compassion, kindness, gentleness, the fruits of the Spirit that we all know, those are the things that make a strong Christian. So he, so he says, we who have these characteristics ought to bear with the failings of the weak. You know what it's like to bear with somebody. Those of us who've had children, we know what it's like to bear with their crying. We know what it's like to bear with them when they're going through the why and what's that stage. You want to know about everything all the time. We, we know when <clears throat> there's someone in the congregation that just really bugs us. But it's not so bad that they're, they're not Christian. It's just that they're weird. And so we bear with them. What does that mean? Well, we, we tolerate them. We put up with them. We're patient with them. Paul's saying we need to bear with the failings of the weak. Well, who are the weak? And why should we bear with their failings? Well, I think, I think there's a little bit more information we need before we make that, that judgment. He says, each of you, each of us, should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. He doesn't say we should please our neighbors to make them happy. He says we should please our neighbors in a way that it's good for them. And if you're the strong Christian and you're bearing with a weak Christian, then, then our role is, is to come alongside, is to walk with them and to help them to grow up in the Lord, to do what is good for them. This isn't about brownie points for us. He says, this isn't about you. This is about them, helping them to grow up and, and, and building them up in the Lord. So I know that most of us, when we became Christians, we weren't necessarily strong Christians. We had people who came alongside of us throughout our walk friends who are Christians, Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, pastors, mature Christians who spoke into our life. They were bearing with us as we grew up in the church. And that's our role, to speak into the lives of those who are still growing, including ourselves. None of us have reached it yet. None of us are perfect. We're all on the same journey. We're all on the same trail, but some of us are in different places along that trail. And if you're in the lead, you have a responsibility to stop and wait for the people following. You have a responsibility to help them over the obstacles, a responsibility to help them to grow into the likeness of Christ. If you consider yourself a strong Christian, then that's your job. 
one of them. Verse 3. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Jesus has set the pattern. He gave up everything to come here and to give us new life, to teach us how we should live. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. By putting this verse in there, Paul, in my mind, is saying, if, if you want to get through this, look at what was going on in the Old Testament. Look at the endurance Noah had. Look at the endurance Abraham, Moses. And all those stories, we talk about the endurance that they had to, to put up with hundreds of years of, in the desert, in captivity. Um, no contact with God. Paul's saying, look at those examples of how God provided. He was consistently there throughout every one of those stories. And we can be encouraged when we look at those stories to know that God is there. And you want to bring it closer to home? When we look at our current health, political, political, social issues, I get kind of discouraged. Sometimes I even get kind of scared of where this is all going. We talked about that in our Bible study the other night. You know, that's, that's my first human reaction is I get a little bit scared. And I have to rely on the strength that God gives us and the hope that God gives us. To not get so focused on the junk that's going on around us, but to look at the, the, the struggles that they had in the Old Testament, how God carried them through... <clears throat> how we can be encouraged by that, and we should continue to be encouraged by that because we have that hope. He is in control. He's in control. Hang on to that. But where does that come from? I like it when Paul preaches because every once in a while he just stops and says a prayer. Out of the blue, he just stops and says a prayer, and this is his prayer. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's his prayer. That ought to be all of our prayers. But he says, may the God who gives endurance, he helps us through this stuff, and encouragement, And the encouragement does come from him. It comes from the Holy Spirit as he lives within us and he gives us strength to focus on the hope that he provides. In essence, what he's he's saying in the light of the previous verses is, you know, growing us, each other up in the church, that takes endurance. That takes patience. That takes a long time. We know how long it takes for traditions to kind of wash out of a culture. Not all traditions are bad, but if we want to have unity of the body, we're going to have love and life in the church, we have to have some kind of a common playing field. And that's what we're striving for, 
The common playing field is looking at the life of Christ and looking at his scriptures and look at the Old Testament and things we can learn from there. So that with one voice we can glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then as Paul is, is often, often does, he says, and, and remember, you know, God had a plan for Jews and Gentiles to come together, even in the Old Testament. He lists a bunch of those scriptures in the following section here, uh, verses 9 through 12. He says, here's a, here's a bunch of scriptures that remind you, remind you Jews and Gentiles that God had a plan for you, that Jesus was here for all of us, that he died for all of us. And this was part of God's plan from the very beginning. There's no priority of Jew or Greek, Gentile, male or female. I can't remember that rest of that verse. But he says, we're all in this together because Jesus died for all of us. <clears throat> so where does that leave us? <clears throat> there are passages in the New Testament that help help us see the characteristics of the people God thinks should be part of his church. The characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, the characteristics that I read about in Philippians. We need to continue to strive to develop those characteristics. And we need to be open to the Holy Spirit to fill us and develop those characteristics. And we need to encourage one another. And we need to, excuse me, we need to come alongside those who have struggles, failings, as Paul's words, failings of the weak. We have to come alongside those folks and bring them along. That is our job. We the, we the strong must bear with the failings of the weak and build them up. Also keep in mind the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, the hope that we have that God has given us by looking at the Old Testament, by knowing that he's in control, that God will continue to be with us and will bless us as we, as we become that beautiful bride of Christ that he wants us to be. <clears throat>